This week on the Podland Trailcasters. Test, test, test. Why is that not even moving the bar? Boy, howdy, COVID brain fog got you in a dip. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> yes, you're in You're in 12th place right now, but you are two games out of being back in sixth. Do you have anything else in mind? Anything else has been a kind of a talking point? No, no we'll just yak around. Ooh. How intense people get during trade deadline season. <laughs> How my co-host is a reactionary, passionate son of a gun. Don't don't you apologize for being long-winded when I have no wind at all. I mean, any big hate mail. I always have hate mail. I hate the world. Trust me, we've gone down this road before. It triggers everyone when you mention Dame and trade in the same sentence. Triggers sense. Dame even, man. The way that he went <laughs> off the posting that he called he called a reporter disrespectful for even hinting. Troll's gonna troll, right? And untouchable in GM speak, Chris. What does untouchable mean to you? Untouchable. Uh, does not mean what you think it means. Not all skeletons are created equal, my friend. That's also true. That's absolutely fair. Bro, you ain't Batman. I'm Batman, <laughs> so you just chill. I've never thought I would say Doug McDermott is a, is a trade target, but... Hey, my, my, my foggy brain is just not going to last much longer. Okay, cool. Are you ready? Good to yes, go. Yes, sir. All right. Get a quick three, two, one, then. Three, two, one. Hello, Rip City. To all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of these interwebs, thank you and you and you and you and you and you. For all of you tuning in here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me to balance out this Hawaiian time Oregonian, we've got the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, the Mr. Professional, the Christopher Joseph Burkhart. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm about as well as I can be right now. I'm not I'm not bad. I, I'm better than I've been the last several days, but saying I'm saying I'm well, saying I'm good is is very uh um uh relative. I can't <laughs> I guess. Relative would be the word, yes. It's been a rough weekend uh, here out in the Feltner-Smith household. It's been a bit of a up-and-down rough start to this critical stretch we talked about for the Blazers as well. How's it been over in the in the Burkhart uh, realm? How are things going with, with Butterscotch and the girls? Things are chaotic at the Burkhart house. That's just how we operate. Is it lawful or chaotic good, chaotic evil? Where do you fall on that, that whole... It's all chaos. You're all chaos. It's good, it's bad, it's indifferent, it's just everywhere. It's chaos. It's good, the, neutral, it evil. It's the pure definition of chaos. You don't even know what it is. <laughs> oh boy, that, that does sound chaotic. Well, all right. Uh, beyond the chaos, we do at least have some order of things that we always begin the show with. Our internationally renowned, critically acclaimed, worldwide love, hugs, and hate mail, Mr. Burkhart, where is your love going this week? Well, it's obvious the love's going uh, out to Rip City after the unfortunate passing of the mayor of rip city the the man mm. the voice the greatest trailblazer of all time bill shonley and not to overshadow the passing of one john curry who is also an absolute legend uh within the blazers organization almost this this was the the start of his 40th year with the team four decades of filming baseline side visitor side a camera getting run over by every megastar in the NBA to get the <laughs> shot for, for Blazers broadcasting. And 
Uh, by all accounts, is he was a, a friend of mine. I uh, had a good relationship with him, but dude, he was he was everybody's friendly neighbor. The dude was uh, a genuine good dude, and will be definitely missed there uh, at the Rose Quarter. Hey man, yeah, we'll we'll get more into uh, uh, our thoughts with both uh, John Curry and Bill Shonley in in just a moment. But yeah, that was certainly a tragic uh, tragic thing for all of Rip City over the weekend. Uh, all love to John Curry's uh, John Curry and his family, Bill Shonley and his family. I'm also going to send my love this week over to Justice Winslow. We had a story come out from Jason Quick on the Athletic about Winslow's uh, time before he came to Portland and some of the some of the dark. Uh, trials that he went through as a in his personal life it's it's a really good read I don't want to spoil anything because quick deserves you guys to go and read his writing but we've been waiting on Winslow to get back on the court for a minute anyway and this I think was just really really poignant to kind of maybe get to know the the man behind the the athlete behind the the guy that we see on the court uh, who's kind of been a critical role player for us the whole losing streak really started in the uh, last month when he disappeared and so hopefully him coming back can help some of that and hopefully before he gets here as many of you as possible can go and read quick's piece on on the athletic about justice winslow it's a good good guy and it only makes me want to root for him that much more how about your hugs buddy where, where are your hugs going i'm gonna give you a social distance hug because you're gonna edit it all <laughs> out because that's you have the power to do that but boy howdy covid brain fog got you in a dither oh man yeah <laughs> covid the covid brain fog is not helping me right now it's going to be that kind of episode but i appreciate you sticking with me through it and i will i will take that socially distant hug and i'll i'll be fully masked up for it i'm all caught up on the boosters so keeping everyone around me as safe as possible been my, my wife and i've been home uh and you know what? Just, I'm just going to tie this into to mine as well. My hugs were also going to me this week. Uh, we talked last week about something kind of being in the air as far as me getting in an accident, the blazers in the funk, uh, just all sorts of crazy stuff. But yeah, it didn't stop there. COVID, after, after my wife and I, after Abby and I had been clear of COVID since it began, we've managed to stay in front of the whole thing. It finally caught up to us this last week and it has been rough i i now firsthand i i now have firsthand experience and understanding for what all of you have talked about it has just kicked our ass man it, like on on one day i'm feeling like it's just a really bad head cold kind of feel where you just feel like your head's in clamps and your throat's nasty and the rest the next day i feel like my like back and arms and legs are sunburned almost it's just it's crazy like you can't even sit still comfortably even just like trying to lay down on the couch is just just been just been restless but hey you know it's uh it's been a rough one for the blazers as well and unfortunately part of what COVID did to us the timing had just been so bad because like we mentioned john and uh sean's passing away over the last week i had tickets for the sunday game against the lakers where they were going to do the tributes for sean's and i really really wanted to be there for that going to the games against the lakers has been kind of a tradition for my wife and i over the last number of years as well and we just had to be safe you know you know like we caught covid days before this so the lakers and the spurs game the next day that i was all supposed to attend had to just pass those tickets on to some other fans and sounds like they all had a great time uh also probably good that i wasn't at that game against the lakers because i would not have been happy <laughs> leaving the building with all that well again we'll get into that more in just a minute but uh let's move on to the hate mail uh, where i uh you know what we can we'll start with you and then we'll get into maybe saying goodbye to our rip city legends here where where's your hate mail going this week sir my hate is going oh my god like this this like you wake up and you read this stuff and you're like are you kidding me are you kidding me can the portland thorns organization not get out of its own way oh like boy. Can, can you not oh just god. hire good people can you stop cutting corners and being just like 
Oh, yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just going to go start randomly uh, kissing players during a celebration. <laughs> I'm going to start giving players drugs unprescribed. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. Just type in Portland Thorns yeah. in Google. Be the first thing that pops up. But if it ain't one thing, it is another. If it ain't a left jab, it's a right hook. Something is coming for the Thorns organization. The the Thorns, oh boy, I think they need a I think they need a full-on reset button at that bad place. It's it's not it's so unfortunate because it's such a storied organization and those players deserve so much better uh but from top down baby just hit the reset button and just go vet your employees and hire good people man and the annoying part about this is like if someone does something that they shouldn't do like do like you know uh do your due diligence as a boss and, and, a, and a good organization. Don't qu- quit sweeping things under the rug, hoping nobody looks under the rug. It's just like, oh my God. And then you wonder why like the NWSL, which has been growing, but like you wonder why leagues like the NWSL and the WNBA, who is also embroiled in its own controversy now coming out of, of Las Vegas, um, can't grow. And they try to grow and then they freaking just st- shoot their own foot dude like they can't get out of their own way with pr nightmares it's just absolutely ridiculous and granted the other leagues have pr nightmares too the difference is they're all the established leagues right so it's like it's a speed bump and it doesn't matter these are like brick walls that the thorns of the nwsl and the wmba put in front of themselves sometimes and it's just ridiculous and just all goes back to what i said earlier vet your vet your interview process and hire good people (laughs) you shouldn't be hiring people that are going to basically you know have sexual misconduct you shouldn't be hiring people who are are giving players drugs without prescriptions in las vegas you shouldn't be hiring people who think basketball is more important than being a pregnant mother jesus christ like (laughs) like this this seems like this is all like human decency stuff that we're dealing with it's just unreal to me man it's crazy, man. And look, I mean, the, the Thorns obviously have their connection to us up here just being Portland's team. But even the, the, the Las Vegas Aces that you're talking about, that's that's Becky Hammond. So, again, this is it ties kind of to what at least what Blazer fans had hoped theoretically would be something we could have been involved in. And now it is. Now you're looking back. And it's one of those things like, boy, maybe we uh, dodged a bullet a little bit there because I'm, I'm not saying it's all on her. I don't want to get into that whole situation because I don't know enough about it down in Las Vegas. But. Yeah, that's ugly, man. Uh, that just I, 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 there's there's some legality issues there too, and obviously we'll see all that shake out. Go and Google it, like Chris said, uh, and you know j- just to save you some Googles as far as the Portland Thorns one was it trainer? Oh, assistant coach and head athletic trainer. Yeah. Uh, Sophie Sophie Clue and Pierre Sobrier, or however you say the name, just weird stuff going on, man. I I will say the latest news on Thorns is maybe a little brighter. They hired a new CEO. Heather Davis has been hired uh, by the Thorns after all the dismissals. And hopefully, fingers crossed, this is new news, I think only as a matter of a couple hours ago. So hopefully it's starting to maybe turn the corner. It's but just, yeah, it's yikes. Just, it's good. I mean, there's obviously good news. The other the other stuff's just irritating. Mm. It's like, gosh, those, 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 those players, those players deserve so much freaking better. My gosh. I mean, why does Portland have, you know, uh, some people don't like to admit it. Portland. Some people only say Portland has one major league sports team, but that's just um, factually inaccurate. Um, yeah. Portland has multiple. You got the Thorns. You got the Timbers. You got the uh, you got the the Blazers. And how come all of them uh, are owned by just absolute 
people that you just <laughs> don't want associated with owning your favorite franchise. Oh, look, I mean, uh, to be totally honest, overall, if you look at the big field, I'd say probably the majority of owners, more than more owners than not, probably have some skeletons in their closets as far as this stuff. That's what happens with rich people. You, oh, I, I would say the uh, being rich probably starts to lean you towards a little more of not being a great person. I wish that weren't the case. Hopefully, we can be a little more selective, like you said, about who we who we get involved with our teams. But yeah, it's it's not been a good look in in recent history among any of our franchises. Yes, but not all skeletons are created equal, my friend. Okay? That's also true. <laughs> That's absolutely fair. <laughs> and we have some bad ones. You're you're not wrong. It's you know not the worst, but we have some bad ones. We'll 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 see all that shakes out, and if it really starts to rear the head, maybe we can get into that another week. But for now, my hate mail, like your love, sir, is going over to the tragic losses the two tragic losses that the blazers have suffered over this last weekend uh bigger than any losses on the court really despite the insane loss that we will again talk about shortly uh but rest in peace to john curry rest in peace to bill shonley obviously this happened over the weekend obviously many of you have had time uh to kind of process and get through it but chris i just wanted to give us some time to kind of have you know just yeah some reflection and a bit of a story time for for both these guys like you mentioned john curry had just begun his 40th year working with the Blazers. He's been holding a camera for the Blazers, down camera four on the baseline and the studio camera for the post-game and pre-game stuff. Been doing this longer than either of us have been on this earth. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, it's incredible. Like he, to, to think doing that one job for so long and, and even the fact that before that he was, I think I heard Master Chief for the uh -huh. Marines and uh, the, the, number of, the number of lives he's touched even beyond Blazers, the number of people that he has positively affected and done significant good for just cannot be measured. Uh, so John Curry, man, I'm, and like, you know, I, I, I know you might have a story to share about kind of your interactions, but if I can just say real quick, uh, I only interacted with the man directly twice. Uh, both times he was a nice person. Second time, he might as well have been a great friend the way he notices you kind of, uh, uh the, the familiarity and just the smile, like the, he was just a genuinely good person. Uh, and yeah, again, like I said earlier, all the love to to John and all his family, but uh, yeah, it, it, he will certainly be missed. And they had a nice small tribute on Sunday when they mostly were focused on uh, a Shanley tribute as far as kind of what the, the videos were oriented towards, but they left Curry's seat empty down on the baseline for camera four and they had his, uh, his camera, his blazer bib over the seat. And I thought that was a really nice gesture. And then I believe it was uh, Monday the other night against the Spurs where they actually did do, they had some of the other broadcast crew saying their goodbyes a little bit on camera to Curry uh, pregame. And man, it was it was just touching. It was tear drinking, much like we're saying here. Just every I don't think there was a single person who had uh, anything but just the, the the brightest things to say with tears in their eyes. There, it was it was very sincere, very genuine. And you got to feel for all the people that he's touched and, and he will be missed. Yeah, man, he's a, definitely a, a good dude and good on the Blazers for giving him his uh, his moment on on Monday, I know that they wanted to do it uh, separate from the Shans, despite them both right. passing away uh, basically within uh, days of each other, like less than 48 hours. But they didn't want to be uh, stuck in a situation where they, okay, oh, this guy passed away too, and then it's overshadowed right, by all right. the Shans stuff, uh, which was the right move. But yeah, John Curry was absolutely amazing. Like I described him on courtside on Monday, as he's he was everybody's friendly neighbor. He, if he met you once, he knew you forever, right? And, exactly. And, yeah, uh, exactly. He, he would definitely give you the bib off his back if if you needed it. And you you mentioned him being a vet. That's probably the one thing he was the most proud of was his time served uh, in the armed forces and giving back to the veteran community as uh, any time he could. 
and giving back to the Blazer community anytime he could. And I remember I met him in 2010 when I was a uh, paid my hard-earned money to go to the Rebecca Harlow Sports Broadcasting Camp, which is a throwback right there, which I'm the, you know, only graduate of that camp currently sitting in Proud front of a graduate. microphone. So go me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was great because, you know, you got to learn broadcasting and, and sports broadcasting from Rebecca Harlow. And uh, John was there. So was Jeff Curtin at the time and running cameras for the event and all that. And then I remember when I got hired uh, at NBC in 2014, like I, I I walked up to John and and I was like, did you do the Rebecca Harlow sports broadcast? I was like, yeah, I did. And he's like, did you go to that? And I'm like, I totally did. And he's like, oh, I, oh I, I remember you. I think I have, I have a picture. And like he goes back to his cubicle and he couldn't find it. He's like, I couldn't find it, but I think I have it at home. And then like the next week, he's like, Chris, 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 I found it. And he brought the picture. I have it. It's in, it's in my <laughs> bins behind me. I have to dig it out so I can tweet, nice. it, tweet it out. But uh, no, he found the picture and there I am right next to him. And it was so cool because like, you know me, like I, I, I love talking. Like I, I'm a talker. That's why you have me on the podcast. That's why I, I I host radio. I'm very outgoing, but at the same time, like when I get into situations like at a at an arena or this and that, like I I, I can clam up. I clam up around like the the big people, right? I'm I'm still sure, this little sure. guy. So it's like, oh, there's again, oh, there's Bill Shawnley. Okay, I'm not gonna go up and say hi. I'm gonna I, I'm not cool enough to interrupt his conversation to say hi. Like I'm just a little guy. Well, I remember. You know, this had to be like 2016, 2017-ish, and um, uh, the Knicks came into town, and obviously Rebecca Harlow does sideline for them, and I could have very easily went up and said hi, and but I was like, she's probably not going to remember me. Like, well, that was one weekend of her life, like seven years ago, right? And uh, so I was like, I was way too nervous to go say hi. Anyway, John's like. Hey Chris, I'm like, what? He's like, did you say did you say hi to Rebecca? I'm like, no, dude, I'm 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 good. She's busy. I'm way too chicken. And she's like, he's like, oh, that's nonsense. And he just like grabs. Me. He's like, we're gonna go find her and yeah. we're gonna go say I hi. Yeah. And he pull like yeah. So he he takes me out the tunnel and he's like, Rebecca, Rebecca, and this is Chris. I, you probably don't remember him, but he was at your sports broadcasting camp. And then like I just start talking to Rebecca and I turn. He's gone. Like he just ditches. Like he's like he's like, nope. Now now it's your turn. The ice is broken. Go in, son. Have some fun. Like just peace. But, yeah, but that. But then, then, then that was kind of the thing. Anytime the Knicks were in town, he's like, "Hey, did you go say hi to Rebecca? Did you go say hi to Rebecca?" And, <laughs> and nice. uh, yeah, he was a gr- he was a great dude, just an absolutely great dude. And I, I mentioned this on courtside. I, I mentioned it uh, again on uh, the Rip City Drive when we happened to have Mike Barrett on, and Mike Barrett laughed because he goes, "Oh yeah, I noticed that." I was like, uh, <laughs> "You noticed there in the in the first quarter of the game where where Ant drives to the basket, gets hacked, and." Oddly enough, the teams were switched. Like it's usually Blazers going going south, not north, to start the game. But they were going north this time, and it's like one of the first, the early plays of the game. He gets hacked, no call, takes the contact, loses balance, runs right over the cameraman baseline, sitting where John Curry used to always sit. And yep, Mike Barrett yep. goes, Mike Garrett Barrett goes, oh yeah, we noticed that. Everybody noticed that. We were all like, <laughs> oh yeah, Cur- Curry's looking down right now. It's like that's just sometimes the world works in mysterious little ways but like you said uh, he was absolutely uh, one of the best and what i'm what i'm what excites me having known him uh is the fact that uh, this portland fan base is so unique these, these like everyone talks about uh, oh small markets and small markets can't get free agents and small markets this and small markets this when you see the outpouring of support for a cameraman 
a yeah, cameraman. Dude. How could you yeah, look dude. at this as a player and go, Oof, I, I, I want to go play for a team that, that has a fan base that, that's that passionate? I mean, I don't know if the you know 20 million people in Los Angeles know the name of their baseline cameraman every single week, you know? People knew John Curry, which is just, it's impressive. It goes to say so. And it's crazy, too, when you think 40 years and then the Blazers broadcasting. 40 years. Yeah, and then the Blazers broadcasting team is sharing their stories. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've worked with John for 25 years. And, oh, yeah, I've worked with John for 30 years. And it's like, dude, like Blazers broadcasting has been around, dude. It's pretty, it's pretty a culture unique in there, man. and a family yeah. setting they, they have back there. So they definitely lost a brother. Uh, yeah, and if I can just add too, I know you were telling us that some of these stories the other day in the Discord, and you mentioned that Rebecca Harlow broadcasting camp. You guys had, uh, I think it was some sort of drill they put you through, right? In, uh, as far as being on camera, and then John was kind of playing a little prank on you, kind of trying to throw you for a loop. Yeah, it was Remember funny. That? So, so at that camp, Keith, I loved it because we got to do everything that we never got to do in actual journalism school. So we learned, uh, we did um, sideline reporting. We did player interviews we did studio style toss back and forth and we did one where we were like the news guy like you would see on channel six or something like oh welcome into the sports report and this is what happened today and and this one was fun because all the other ones were learning how to practice this one we had to write our script put it in a teleprompter all that and then every single person did it and every single time at a different point rebecca was the director and she'd get in john's ear and tell her tell him to mess something up and it was usually messing up the teleprompter he'd either speed it up slow it down uh turn it off what have you it was funny because you know you watch the first person go and he all of a sudden like puts the the um teleprompter in slow-mo and you listen to the person slow down to <laughs> trying to stick on the teleprompter every word <laughs> He speeds it up on someone. You'd see them start to speed up, and then, I, 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 and then lost because they couldn't keep up with the speed. Every single person stumbled. And she's like, it's good practice. You got to do this. So then it was my turn. John's over there, and he's just smiling. And I'm talking about, I think I was talking about like the World Cup or something at that point. And all of a sudden, teleprompter disappears. Disappears. <laughs> just shuts off. <laughs> and I'm just, I just keep going. I'm just like, ah, oh, and, then, and then this happened, blah, 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 blah. Turn, teleprompter turns back on when he turns it back on it's not at the spot that it's that it stopped uh went out on like it didn't keep up and it's going backwards now <laughs> so i'm just like it's done like i have i, I got to finish this broadcast teleprompter is of no use to me and so i just keep going 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 and like and that does it for your sports report and i end and then you hear Rebecca come over because if you know uh, you've been in those situations you've done tv with us before like you have you can either talk directly into ears or you can talk over the big speaker well we didn't have ifbs only john did anyway she comes over the big speaker and she's like chris i'm like yeah and she's like did john mess up anything <laughs> yeah uh, my <laughs> teleprompter turned off it turned back on it was going backwards it was doing this and she's like john did you actually do it and he's like yep and so that was it's such a feather in my cap like i know it sounds so cheesy and i'm not doing telling this story to like like puff my own chest up for the listener it was just that as a kid who's wanted nothing in his life but to be a sports reporter, a talking head, and to be in those type of situations in a studio, behind a mic like we are right now, to be the only person that passed the test. I was like, cool. 
I'm getting praise from someone that I respect in this business, and you know what? I'm gonna do this one day. Took, lo- took longer than I thought, but here we are. I have I have my own radio show, and uh, I'm lucky enough to be doing it. Sometimes it hits me like a little bit crazy. Like uh, I'm fortunate enough to be doing courtside on Rip City Radio right now, and like we had Mike Barrett on the other day, and he said something about like, yeah, when I did courtside with with Snapper and this and that, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you think wow. of the le- you think of the legends that the Blazers had who hosted courtside when cor- courtside was directly associated with the Blazers. Remember last year Snapper Jones, was man. last year was like the last year that the Blazers were doing it right, and so it was going to mm-hmm. go into the ether, but Rip City Radio we picked it back up, carried on the legacy there, and rebranded a little bit. But it's like I'm 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 sitting here hosting courtside trying to fill the shoes of some absolute Blazer legends. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So. It's yeah, man. Cool. And, and, and and that was a story that John Curry and I uh, shared a few times, and I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget that grin on his face, just laughing like as he's trying <laughs> to mess me up. Interactions like that, interactions where you can kind of engage with those legends, those people that you see and inspire you from a young age to get into this, to have those kind of interactions are huge as far as maybe equipping you to, to move forward. And like you said, you know, fast forward down the line here, here you are carrying courtside uh further into the the blazers uh halls of, of history so congrats to you shout out to rebecca harlow as well and most importantly rest in peace john curry just an absolute treasure of a human being uh and camera four you'll be missed now like you said they i'm, I'm really glad they kind of gave them each their separate nights i can understand why bill shonley being the much more visible person for the general fan like like you said most fan bases probably aren't going to know their camera for personality but blazers fans when you've got a guy doing this for four decades uh it's hard not to know who he was but bill shonley obviously the ambassador the ambassador of, of the blazers the mayor of rip city he was the 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 more visible of of the two for for many fans and they they did a lot for him they they uh there was a very nice tribute to him before the sunday lakers game and much like you said too when uh, when the Blazers came out and Simons instantly crashes into John Curry's seat down there, it was a nice tribute. It was like, hey, honoring you, Curry. Like mm-hmm. we we see you. Uh, in the same sense, I think Blazers that Sunday made nine of their first ten free throws. It wasn't every free throw. Uh, eventually, <laughs> you know, it would be nice to make all the free throws, but you know, it, it was it was nice to see the team focused and doing well for it. Uh, again, we'll get to that game more later. But Bill Shonley, if if I can throw in my short stories here too, I've I've just got two of them. He. On, on Damian Lillard's, uh, or the year that the Blazers were drafting Dame, they held a draft party at the Rose Garden. My dad and I were there. And it was, you know, we're just hanging out, waiting for the, the draft pick to come through, decked out in our Blazers gear. Bill Shonley comes by, uh, you know, walking around, doing his ambassador thing. And, and he sees us, uh, notices all, all the gear, and he says, hey, can I get a picture with you two? And like, before I could even ask, like, I see him, I'm, like, I'm about to say, oh my God, Bill Shonley, but I'm all choked up, uh, you know, just kind of like caught in the moment, like you said, seeing that, that living legend in front of you. Uh, and, and he reads it, he just says, can I get a picture with you two? And it was like, just blew my mind. I've got a great shot of he and my dad and I. Uh, and years later then, the Blazers are hosting a fan event where uh, they've got stations all around the Rose Garden. One of those stations being the NBA trophy. And my wife and I are, are lined up next to the trophy and Bill is on the other side. And, you know, my, my wife kind of starts to lean on the, on the, uh, the trophy stand a little bit. And instantly there's some security like, ah, don't, don't touch it. No touching the trophy. And Bill kind of looks up at them, looks over at her right before the picture and goes, 
you can touch it if you'd like to. And so <laughs> she, the, the picture that we have is her kind of just just very uh, uh, gently putting her hand up next to the trophy on the back and big smiles. And he's on the other side, like staring straight ahead, like you take that picture. <laughs> it was great. The, the guy was just incredible. He's and great. You got to go I, listen I, to the uh, the posting up podcast he did with Dwight James years and years and years ago uh, with NBC. I repurposed it uh, as a YouTube video for Rip City Radio. So go check it out. And he tells all sorts of stories, but he tells a story about uh, getting together with his wife and how, like, basically, like, she was the one who got away, like, the, the high school sweetheart, this and that. And then they separated for a while and he got her number and he called. It's like it's like out of a movie. Right. And he's like, I called her and she didn't answer. And I called her again and she didn't answer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give this one last shot. So I called it one last time and she picked it up. and. It's so great because he goes, he goes, I was like, you know, you're probably not gonna remember who I am. And she goes, how could I forget a sexy voice like that? And I was just like, bingo, bango, bongo. (laughs) Like, it's just like, so good, dude. So good. So go check it out. That's awesome. He's a storyteller. Send me that link. I want to get that in the episode description. If anyone hasn't experienced that, we'll we'll try and get that one posted on the episode here. I'll I'll, I'll see if I can post a couple links in there for some of the Sean's clips. One of the other ones that I love, Amara Baptist, uh, the Blazers' former social media manager, she shared uh, from a Valentine's Day a number of years ago. They had Sean Lee Those were so basically good. <laughs> reading. They were so good. They had they had Sean's reading all these different kind of Valentines, just the cheesy pickup lines like, "Did it hurt when you fell from heaven?" <laughs> Like, are you tired? Because you've been running through my mind all day. What really sold it is that voice, man. He just had that iconic, perfect voice. And it was in everything he said. It wasn't just on a broadcast. Everything he did and said was just, he just knew that tempo. He knew how to how to really pace it out. And it, it makes you, it it warmed your heart to hear. And yeah, so I'll see if I can find that Valentine's uh, video clip as well. I'm pretty sure we have that post in the Discord. And we'll link those in the episode description. I say, yeah, that podcast, uh, I sent you the link there. He, he shared another story about uh, being heckled by a fan while calling a hockey game, so he punched the fan in the face. He's like, I gave him a knuckle Sean? sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest way you could punch someone in the face oh, would be yeah. Bill Shonley saying, I gave uh, him a knuckle yeah, sandwich. I gave him and a knuckle And he liked every sandwich. bite. We will link those in the episode description there. Uh, and again, rest in peace, John Curry. Rest in peace, Bill Shonley. All the love to you and your loved ones and to Rip City. Uh, we will miss you and you will, will forever be in our hearts. Something else I'm going to link in here in the episode description. As always, my friends, listeners, if you are interested in getting on some of these chats about Bill and John and all, and all the other players, trade talk, any of the roster, uh, a whole handful of podcasts, lots of other blazer banter going on game day chats all the rest of it please come and join us on discord we've got a great community in there it's growing all the time it's we've had extremely active uh active chats recently too there's been a lot going on with trade season as we get closer to that i i think the other day i i was off discord for all of three hours chris i came back to almost 500 plus messages between trade talks and and game day banter and people just kind of diving in so it's it's a very very fun group with lots of great fans we're aiming to make this a spot where, you know, if, if you get sick of some of the things you see on Twitter and on Reddit and the other social platforms, we can come in here and have a place for all fans to have all discussions. So please come and join us on Discord. Link is in the episode description. Something else we have been talking about on there has been recapping some of these games. So let's, uh, we've got two, we've had three games since our last episode, Chris. 
And this is starting that stretch that last week you and I referred to as kind of being a critical stretch for the Blazers if we're going to see which fork in the road that the team is planning to take uh, once we pass the trade deadline here. Unfortunately, this six-game stretch has not started out too well. We've faced Philly, the Lakers, and the Spurs. Right after this recording, we also had a fantastic come-from-behind win against Utah with an amazing performance from Dame. We will get into all of that next week. The Philly game, I don't even really want to dive into. It feels like it was long ago, and I'm happy to leave it in the past. But let's contrast what happened uh, Sunday against the Lakers and Monday against the Spurs because there was some really... I, I, I don't know how to say other than just hyperbolic differences between these two. The... The Lakers game, like I mentioned with the free throws, it was it was kind of that, that tribute to Sean's night. Uh, we hit 9 of 10 free throws in the first half. Kind of a rough start to the second quarter, but it was 71-46 at the halftime. It felt great. Uh, Blazers seemed like they were on top. Things were clicking. We were hitting from three. The Lakers weren't playing horribly either, but you know we, we were staying ahead. And unfortunately, after half, uh, they... They just came out different. They they gave it all away. 10, and we, we were still even going to the fourth quarter, but it, you could tell even before we got there that it was just fading away. They didn't have much, uh, they didn't have the gas. They didn't have the, the ability to keep up the pace that they'd put together in that third, and the game ends 121 to 112. A heartbreaking loss on Sean's tribute night. And as always, you know, any loss against the Lakers always stings a little extra, especially when you have so many Lakers fans in the building. It was a rough one, but... Then the next night, we come back against the Spurs and score the highest total points of the entire season, 147-127. This game included, uh, this was more of the John Curry tribute. We had some really good play from our, our bench unit there. We scored 40 points in the first quarter even. So right off the bat, there was no defense being played on either side as Spurs also scored 38 on their end. Luckily, we held, the, held this one together, but this is also against one of the worst teams in the NBA. So again, like they're... That's kind of, that, that was the, the, the quick recap between both those games, but what stood out to you as far as any individual players? We, we saw Shaden Sharp's career high on Monday against the Spurs. Damian really came back. I think he had 37 points in 31 minutes along with 12 assists that night. So there's been some good. It hasn't just been bad, but it's not instilling a whole lot of faith for me. How about you? How is this making you feel as far as this, uh, this critical stretch? No, no, this is is why I love you. You're, you're, I told you you're, you're passionate. There's been some good. There's been no good. There's been no good. (laughs) If you're going to take your good because they beat the Spurs, a team, they should have boat raced. Cool. Take your good. But they're hey, my, my good is Shane Sharp in his career high. Yeah, it's because he got minutes. I mean, they they allowed 127 yeah, okay. points and nobody played defense. That Lakers game was an absolute uh, atrocity. It, it, it's the, the going up by 25 points and then letting that comeback happen. Uh, I I look at these games and go, dude, like Thomas Bryant. Yep, oh that that checks out. Have a career high against the Blazers. Some random name going off for 31 points, tying a career high, hitting four three pointers, tying a career high. It's not good. The defense yeah. is a massive problem. Offensively, like we we talk about offense a, a, a lot, and they need do they need more uh, from their bench? Absolutely, we've we've talked about that all year long. But you should be able to win games, even that Laker game, right? You should be able to win games scoring 112 points, right? You'd think so, yeah. But you You'd let out so. you let out 121. You let out a you won, but you let out 127. Uh, against the Spurs. Uh, uh, so you, you got it. The defense has just got to lock it up, man. It's been pretty bad. Listeners, we are in the thick of the NBA season and there are so many variables right now. 
Can Dame stay healthy enough to lead the team, or are we going to have to rely more on Jeremy? Will the Blazers make a move before the deadline, or are we going to wait for the offseason? Can we make the playoffs straight up, or are we going to get stuck in the play-in tournament in the middle of this stacked Western Conference? One thing's for sure, I know when I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's not even the only promotion they have with DraftKings, but let me say this again so you're totally clear. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN for the Basketball Podcast Network. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do win. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And then I know it's it's easy to pick on him, but I think he deserves to be picked on over the last stretch here because Yusuf Nurkic, you can't puff your chest because you go off for 20 and 10 uh, against guys like Christian Wood and Dwight Powell and then shrink when Jokic and Embiid come to town. Like, against the Lakers, he was unplayable. He played 15 yeah. minutes against the Lakers. Drew Eubanks played 30, and, and Drew, Drew Eubanks has looked good. Like, he's looked, he's been the better center, at least defensively as of late. You can't make up for what Nurk does offensively, even when he's not scoring, because he's just so pivotal to, to that team uh, from the screen setting to the ball movement, etc. Um, but again, it's that up and down that we talk about with him and you just need to find ways to, to get more up from him. Um, but this one, it's just, it was just hard. It was hard for me to take a ton of good, uh, from these games cause they need to get better. If you're going to press me to find good, uh, obviously, like you said, Shaden Sharp, um, having a career high, that's always nice. Uh, I think coaches maybe, uh, trusting him a little bit more to there you go yeah be in these situations and take shots i think maybe the brightest spot of the last three games even though the you know the the result hasn't been great is probably nasir little just getting run nasir, and looking yeah. good and hopefully continuing to get more moving forward i think dan Morang tweeted out something about how uh nasir needs to be playing you know 26 minutes a night and i, I quote tweeted it with like yeah i fully agree get him in there which is interesting yeah. keith because i don't think he looked good prior to his injury because you and i were talking about what's going to happen when gary payton the second comes back and i was like okay i think he might take some of nasir's minutes and but now nasir's playing like he he deserves those minutes and he's giving the the team a an offensive spark so there, i guess there has been some good it's just definitely been outweighed uh by the bad oh yeah now you're sitting here at what one and two through the three first three games of this this homestand uh, a homestand that you were looking at going okay we should hopefully be able to win you know four or five of those quite four easily yeah. and now you're like oh we're gonna be lucky if we win four um so yeah. it's not it's not the best spot and you do have the trade deadline coming up in just a few weeks and what are you gonna do there how are you gonna you're gonna stand pat you're gonna make a move is it gonna be a big move is it gonna be a small move like there's all sorts of things uh, to be had i think the frustrating part it's not that the early season was fool's gold um you won games that, that you you maybe weren't supposed to, but you were playing sure. really good basketball too, right? right. And so yeah. when these losses start happening how they do, it becomes frustrating because you've seen this team, what it can look like when it's playing, everybody firing on all cylinders, playing t the way that you know uh, it can play, right? And when it plays like that, you get games against San Antonio, right? 
you, you get games where the offense is churning, everything's humming. Case in point, like you talk about, you know, Nurk didn't look great against Nikola Jokic. He did not look great against Joel Embiid. He did not look great against the Lakers, and you know that's not understatement, huh? I, oh, just uh, the uh, not look great is a uh, yeah. I mean, that's an understatement. Man. Yeah, but like, then he goes up. Even... But then he but then he goes up against the Spurs, and in 26 minutes he gets 25 and 11. Right. And seven yeah. assists. Almost had a triple double. The, the thing with Nurk is he's I don't want to say old school center necessarily because he's not this guy like backing everyone down every play, but he's a big body. He's a, he's maybe not the traditional center you see in the modern game. Everyone is kind of moving towards these more athletic, bouncy centers that can get up more like a Drew Eubanks in a lot of senses. But Nurk, like when we've got a guy like him with that with the size and the skill set that he has, what you want him for is those matchups against Jokic, against Embiid, against not just Bryant for the Lakers, but LeBron playing a lot down in the paint, down in the middle as well. And so, yes, those are tough matchups, but that's what you need him for. And at the very least, even if he's not going to shut these guys down, you need him to play smart. You need him to play defensively. And like you said with the Lakers, seeing him limited in minutes very much because of foul trouble that's not smart basketball nerd. yes and, look we, we've, we've always known this guy he plays with his heart on his sleeve and that's been his kryptonite essentially is once he gets i don't want to say in his head but once he gets his heart on his sleeve you can just you watch it fall apart you watch it kind of just crumble to pieces sometimes what i i would I'm, i don't i'm not saying we need to see his game against the spurs when he goes up against those those bigger competition but i think maybe that's the issue is maybe he gets in he gets so worked up about okay i'm facing Jokic, my arch nemesis my rival i need to put up those numbers and then he tries too hard versus just getting done what, what just getting his role done just getting done what we need from him such as defense and just make, like slowing these guys down it's it's frustrating it's, it's hard to watch yeah no 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 that's it that's it you just need him to play his role you need him to not do too much and uh, he has become He's become the polarizing player for the Blazers right now. Uh, everybody is. I, I think you have people who love him are in the keep nerd camp. You have people who don't like him are in the trade nerd camp. I'm in the like, okay, what's your what's your upgrade? Like, what's what's your upgrade in trading nerd? There's not a lot out there right now. He's mid tier. He's he's like what the maybe fifteenth, sixteenth uh, best center. I mean, you threw a question out there on the on the uh, discord like would you take a uh, yaka portal i'm like well he's basically the same player like he's inconsistent yeah. and he'll have 20 and 10 nights and then he'll have you know six and eight nights and he doesn't you know blow you away offensively or anything so it's like that's where nurk is so there's not a lot you're not trading nurk and getting you're not getting DeAndre Ayton for for Yusuf Nurkic, right, right? Right. Now, if it's Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart and whatever other pieces you need to make him, okay, well then you start to think about it. But it's like you can't just get rid of Nurk to get rid of him, because um, you're not going to be better off unless you're putting together right. a, a big package. So, a uh, tough spot for Joe Cronin to be in. Um, but that's a big thing. Just, you want to see more from Nurk. You you want to like. It, it, I don't. I don't need a Six Flags roller coaster out of him. Give me like, give me like the kitty <laughs> roller coaster, the ones you see at like Oaks Park. With just a few just, dips, a, a few little dips, but they're not so big, and there's there's no loops, there's no giant free falls. It's just this nice, consistent loop around a couple times before you let some riders off and let the next batch of kids on. It's not gonna wow you. It's not going to wow you, but you know, as a kid, if you jump on that, you're in for a solid, solid amusement park ride. I, I like this analogy. Uh, it's a, a lesser roller coaster isn't going to wow you, but it's not going to make you scream as it goes downhill either. And I think <laughs> right. that's the big thing with Nurk is like, we don't need the wows. We have we have three other players, Dame, Dame, Jeremy Grant and Penny Simons. 
can all score 20 plus. Nurt can too, but he's really the fourth option. Like we've said many times in this pod before, you don't need him to wow you. I just need him to not make me pull my hair out. That's where <laughs> that's where the line is. And that that's... shouldn't be that bad. The the idea that he's like again, like you mentioned, the, the comparison to Jakob Pertl. Pertle needs to be compared more to like at least the way he looks. I, I, he's, a, he looks like he's like a poor man's Blake Griffin. I know he doesn't play that way, but just I, I don't want to be, com I don't want to be thinking of this guy Nurk who we've not made a centerpiece of our franchise, but he's been a core piece for us a while. I don't want to think that that could be replaced by a, a, a dude who looks like a Cabbage Patch Blake Griffin. I'm just not here for it, man. The other side again, just, just to kind of you know, get back to some of the silver line, and then we'll get into some of these trade theoreticals. The Shade and Sharp and the Nasir Little stuff. Seeing them come back, helping out with the bench. I'm hoping that the last three of this six-game stretch can really start to look better for us. we got Utah tonight. We've got Toronto coming up this weekend and Atlanta starting the week next Monday. None of those are quite as threatening as Philly or the Lakers. Uh, they're also all a bit more threatening than the Spurs, at least on paper. So hopefully we're not going to allow these guys to be scoring 127 off of us either. But a lot of that will come down to Nurk and him maybe getting his head screwed on straight. When he has his head on straight, we've got that lesser roller coaster, like we're saying. We've got more of the, the Oaks Park roller coaster. But if he doesn't get his head on straight, man, yeah, we're going straight to six flags. And that's not the ride I want to be on right now. <laughs> uh, Utah, Toronto, Atlanta, as you said. But that's also... Uh... Vanderbilt OG and John Collins three names that I think Blazer oh. fans have continued to throw out there in the hypotheticals uh, of the hmm, world like that yeah. Could we, would you trade this guy for John Collins we trade this? what about OG OG tends to it seems like he's uh, probably the top of the list I know plenty of people uh, out there who love uh, Vanderbilt uh, I'm on the record here on this pod not being sold on him early in the season I think that's uh, changed just a little bit watching him play with Utah I think he's starting to turn a corner for me uh, but yeah I'd take OG or John Collins in a minute so yeah fun little three game stretch maybe you're watching some future Blazers which of those three is, is the top of your list? I, I mean, you're saying Vanderbilt's not the top, but between OG and John Collins, who do you think fits better for the Blazers? Who do you think should be a bigger target as we get into the, the kind of this week's trade theoreticals? Where, where are you looking as kind of the primary? I mean, it all depends on, on what you're giving up and and the things you're doing. But like I had someone ask me, like, say, say you needed to, would you trade, um, would you trade Shaden Sharp, and this was a this was the 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 debate Oof. we got into with uh, with a friend of the show Evan, right? Um, like hey, we, like people hey. talking about how you need to trade Shaden Sharp if it brings you in a borderline star, um, and also friend of the show Tim chimed in on that, hey. uh, and that was something that I completely disagreed with. Like I would not trade Shaden Sharp if it netted me a borderline star, right? You and I have I'm talked about yeah. this before. I am firm in the fact that I think what Portland lacks right now is a set a true secondary stud a star i threw it out there in the hypotheticals and people got mad at me i even had people texting me about it <laughs> when i said like really if you, when i said if you get into a conversation where i you can get a demar Derozan or a jimmy butler then you start that's those are the guys that you consider trading a shade and sharp for i said it last week on the pod too and people were like oh my god demar Derozan, i don't want that and he's getting old and this and i'm like no you're missing the point the point right, is right. demar Derozan, regardless of fit Okay, and I'm not even talking about fit. I even said it. How many times do I have to say I'm not talking about a rumor or a trade that I want to happen. I'm talking about a purely hypothetical here. And he's just a name that fits. DeMar DeRozan is a legit S-T-A-R star in the NBA. Star. He was an all-star last year. He's a multi-time all-star. He's averaging 25 plus points per game. He's filling up the box score. He's not a borderline guy. He is a star. 
Jimmy Butler is a star. DeMar DeRozan is the type that if Damian Lillard is not having a game, you can trust him to go out there and get you 30 and take over and put the team on his back. He is a star. If, if you wanted that guy, I'm not saying I do, but if Joe Cronin wants that guy, then you consider Shaden Sharp because you have to maybe move a piece you don't you don't really want to part with to go get a legit star in the NBA. Would I personally move Shaden Sharp for DeMar DeRozan? I don't know if he's the guy, so probably not. As Evan pointed out, he's going to be 34 years old, and that hurts my heart that now I have to consider DeMar DeRozan as old because that sucks. <laughs> uh, my NBA fandom is aging, right? But 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 but, but my point is. If you want to trade for those guys like that, who are all-stars, right? Who make differences on their lineup. Brandon Sp Sprague tried to chime in and point out, I don't know how he's not a borderline star. Toronto got better after they traded him. Dude, Toronto was a multi-year 50-win team with DeMar DeRozan, and they traded him yeah, and got Kawhi freaking Leonard. They got yeah, Kawhi, it was about Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. Like... <laughs> that's like that, that's like trading Dame and, and like trading Dame and getting Steph, right? Like that the, just because Steph is a much better point guard than Dame does not mean that Damian Lillard is bad. Like, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like <laughs> they're, they're in leagues of their own here. Um, but that's my argument, Keith. So um, to bring that back around, like if you're trading for a star, then maybe you cut a trade shade and sharp, right? But if you're trading for a borderline guy, like OG Ananobi is a borderline guy. John Collins is a borderline guy. Yes. Uh, Vanderbilt is below those guys, in my opinion. He's he's still on the come up, but he's 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 not moving the needle. So that one, I'm not trade. I'm not mortgaging Shade and Sharp's future for a guy who might turn into a star, right? Or has already proven that he's just not a star. Portland has enough of those borderline guys. Ant and Jeremy Grant are borderline guys, right? So I'm not giving up the future to add another right, borderline exactly. guy. But but I would trade one of my borderline guys to bring in a different borderline guy that I think fits better. So to answer your question, I know that's very long winded. I apologize. But if Toronto called me and said, we will give you OG on Anobi, but we want Anthony Simons pulling the trigger. I would do it because yeah. think about this. Anthony has been good, but OG on mm -hmm. still going to give you the scoring right? He's averaging 17 uh, per game. That's uh, less than the 20 that Ant's giving you, but it's not like you're giving up a ton scoring and offense isn't your problem. So who cares if you're, right. if you're losing three points per game, right? But exactly. he's a six, seven forward that is now you've, now you have the one thing that you lack, which is a legit size, size at the small forward position. And if you made that move without trading Josh Hart, then mm. you can move Josh Hart to the two for the rest of the year. Or open that door for Shade and Sharp, or even I mean, Nasir Little is athletic Nasir enough to play. Like too. you have options, right? So you, yeah. but 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 you fixed. It's unfortunate that you'd have to get rid of of Ant in the process, but you would you would fix so many things. You would get better defense. You would finally get the size that you would need. You'd add a little bit of versatility in there because you could put him at, at plenty of positions. So it's like that type of move, Keith. I would do all day long. Um, I know that there are other people who are not high on John Collins. I do like John Collins a lot. I think he is more of a victim of circumstance in Atlanta right now. I, I, I have chronicled how his 
uh, dip in production was perfectly coincided with the acquisition of Clint Capella. Um, and if you look at the way Nate McMillan uses him in that offense, it's just not playing to his strengths. You can't tell me that if you could go get a John Collins without giving up a Yusuf Nurkic, slide slide Jeremy Grant to the three, John Collins at the four, and just have John Collins and Yusuf Nurkic running pick and rolls with Dame all day long? Because John Collins is much That's better a, in the pick yeah. and roll than Jeremy Grant is, right? And Jeremy Grant, yeah. I still think, can play small forward for you perfectly fine. So would you trade, would I, would I trade Ant for a John Collins? Now, controversial, I know a lot of people would not do that uh, uh, whatsoever. I would. I think it balances out your roster a little bit. Atlanta, they wouldn't. They already got Trey Young. They got DeJounte Murray. Like, right, it'd right. have to be a three-team deal. Um, but just to, that, so that answers your question. If you're looking at Vanderbilt, Collins, uh, and OG as primary targets, it's, it's OG, OG all day long for me. Collins for Ant, three-team deal, you're going to have to think about it a little bit. Vanderbilt, that one might be gettable without giving up your key key pieces, which would I would jump on that one in a minute because he's, the versatility there at least maybe not be a starter but he's going to give you depth right but if if you had to give up ant for og on anobi i think that can dramatically change your lineup which is weird because i said i don't really want borderline guys but the difference <laughs> is i'm not mortgaging i'm not going to mortgage shaden Sharp. sharp's future for a borderline right. guy but i will trade one of my borderline guys for another borderline guy that i think fits the makeup of the roster a little bit better First of all, I just wanted to throw in here as a side note. Don't don't you apologize for being long winded when I have no wind at all. I, I, I'm needing you to be long winded today <laughs> because good. I am I am I am uh, I'm doing my best to even just uh, just put sentences together. So between the wind and the brain fog, uh, you're helping me out. I appreciate it, yeah. sir. Uh, second, yeah, we've we've hammered this point a bunch as far as Penny Simons. Maybe the the expectations are a little lofty around Portland for for what he could be and how much value he has. Like your point out, Chris, offense, the scoring is not our problem here. Yes, he is nice to watch. He's a beautiful scorer. He's got a smooth shot, and he knows how to attack the rim. So does Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp is younger. Shaden Sharp is cheaper, and he brings a little more uh, versatile skill set to the floor as well in other ways as far as the defense. And I think if you can move a piece, a borderline star like you're saying, and that is, again, not an insult to Simons. To say that he's a borderline piece, he hasn't shown himself to be consistent enough to be an all-star player. So if he's on that fringe, if you can move him for another on the fringe of all-star player such as... OG or such as John Collins, that seems to make a lot of sense. I brought this up, not in our Discord the other day, but over in the Unbiased Blazers podcast Discord. So shout out to them. Uh, Alex and Fouad over on Unbiased. Check out their Discord when you join ours as well. Some really good communities that we've all been networking together. We were talking and like you mentioned, Atlanta's not going to want Penny Simons because they've already got Trey Young. They've got guards in there. But it was Otis42 on the Unbiased podcast Discord saying, what about maybe Simons to Orlando for Markel Fulton, a protected first, and then John Collins comes to us and Jonathan Isaac from Orlando to the Hawks. Does that seem to maybe fit a little more in what each roster is looking for? Uh, Jonathan Isaac going up to the Hawks would, would help facilitate us getting uh, that other fringe star in here in place of Simons. What do you think? Uh, you already know what I think. You don't like it, <laughs> I but do. I, I, I would try to put pieces together to add Jonathan Isaac to the mix to get him here. Uh, you, would, you, would, you take, would you take Isaac over Collins, or you're just saying you want them both? Uh, get him, give, me, give them both. Give me them both. Get them both. Um, get greedy. That, okay, Let's no, do no, it. No, no, to be fair, that's a, really, that's a really good question, because I really do like John Collins, but 
I wouldn't give up Ant for Jonathan Isaac right now, not in a million years, because Jonathan Isaac is hasn't played in two years. Like he just made his, right, his right. debut, right? But John Collins, though, yeah, John Collins, I would I would give up Ant for because I think you can you can tinker with your lineup a little bit. But Jonathan Isaac, man, if there's a way you could get him without giving up that core piece, and the thing is, Orlando has to know that they're not going to get top dollar for a guy who hasn't played in two years, right? And it's right, off right. So maybe injury. the price is down. I think Jonathan okay. Isaac is a is a like low low risk, high reward move. I know that I know that you and I have have gone back and forth because the you know his his personal politics or whatever. I just care about and analyze these from just a basketball standpoint and Portland lacks size and Portland needs needs like power forward, small forward depth. He can play both of them and he can hit Mm -hmm. threes and he's uber athletic and he can block shots. Like if he can return to his form prior to his injury, he's a damn good player, dude. That's the the question though, is can he return to form? So I wouldn't give up ant for that. So, but, but if that was a package that could go move some pieces around. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I know the John Collins one is polarizing. I think that's fair uh, because I, I, I had some people I know BMAC has been in. Not, he's not high on him, but I, I like John Collins. I think he could fit in well. He's a, he's a, he's a pick and roll guy. I think he excels in a bit of a faster tempo um, offense. And we all know how much, you know, Nate McMillan loves to run those half court sets. Right. So I, I think he would be he would be good here. Where would Marco Fultz go in that here? Uh, Markel Fultz was going to, oh, Atlanta. Mar- yeah, so it was uh, Penny Simons to Orlando f- uh, for Fultz and a protected first to us. John Collins also comes to us, and Jonathan Isaac goes to the Hawks. Hmm. I mean, that's a pretty, it's pretty even three team trade. I think the only, uh, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, uh, uh, Orlando has a plethora of bigs, and if they could get a scoring guard, like Ant, would be a real good matchup there, a real good fit. I also think that's why OG comes into play as well, Keith, because uh, yes, they have uh, a Trent, and yes, they have uh, Van Vliet, but uh, a scoring guard like Ant next to Barnes and Siakam, I think, is a pretty mm. good, pretty good match. Like, the, like, that's the thing. That's the thing here. I know, I know fans will get upset when you start talking about this. This is no disrespect to Ant. Like, Ant's... Right. Yeah, I, I like Ant, and I still think Ant can be really, really good. Like, I, I, the dude's a bucket. He's a bucket, and he's only 23 years old. Like, he's only going to get better. But if you have to get rid of that thing that you do love to get something that, can, that fits the lineup better and helps that build around Dame window... It's just the unfortunate reality that you have to do it. So uh, to make that clear, I want to make that very, very clear. I love Anthony Simons. I think he's fun. He's he's a great guy. Like he's a great dude by all accounts. He's just dude just loves to go out there and hoop. So I'm not trading him because I are asking to trade him because I think he's bad. Not in the slightest. The complete opposite. It's funny to me because we've been over this before. Like when we when Blazers had CJ McCollum and people with, uh, from 2016 until he was traded like we're talking five years blazer fans were talking about him being the trade piece and it was never we need to trade cj mccollum because we don't like cj mccollum the dude is a, was a stand-up guy i love watching that jitterbug game in the middle of the floor it was unique <laughs> it was something that you didn't see everywhere but just as far as the fit with the blazers it just made the most sense not not only as far as the fit of what we need but the value that he had to other teams this is the same thing we're talking about now with penny where he would fit really well in Toronto 
uh, with with the with the other guys they have around him. He would fit really well in Orlando. He he's a piece that they don't have on their roster, and they happen to have pieces that maybe we don't have as much up here in either situation. It's not it's not hate for Baby Sai. It's not hate for Penny Simons. It's just that the dude is an asset that it it's just it just seems I don't want to say inevitable. But it certainly isn't untouchable, like like the other word that we've heard being thrown around as far as regards to Simons and the, and the, the trade block right now. Yeah. Let me ask you about another rumor uh, while we've been on it. One of the things that we've – you and I have been talking about these theoreticals and a lot of the fan stuff we brought up with Simons and, and Orlando and the Raptors. Something that I've actually seen in actual NBA headlines has been that Miami – is interested in Josh Hart. Now, you and I had talked last week, and like you mentioned earlier today, Jimmy Butler would be a really fun target for Portland as far as an, uh, an ideal dream piece. That doesn't mean that Miami's putting Jimmy Butler on the market. <laughs> no, no, no. If, uh, but if Miami wants but, Josh Hart, they want to add him to their possible championship run, and I don't blame him because he's a pretty perfect Miami Heat player. <laughs> but so, yeah, if so, if Miami is looking at Josh Hart and if that is a reality, what do you think Blazers should be asking for back? Who do you see down there? I mean, are, are we trying to target Bam if we're not targeting Jimmy? That's the thing. You ain't targeting anybody. You ain't targeting anybody. If they're interested in Hart, they're, they're being the buyer. You're trying to be the, the buyer. You, yeah. you, you ain't the buyer, yeah. unfortunately, uh, in this situation. That's a team that's looking to add a piece uh, to... Um, that's that's a guy or that's a team looking to add a piece to their run uh to their depth to help them out a little bit you you're looking to offload a guy maybe get something uh in return uh i i look at that lineup keith and uh, you'd have to figure out the the financials of all that he because he, he doesn't make a, a bunch but like i'd take a flyer on uh nikola jovich uh the, the young rookie I, I liked his game okay. coming okay. into the draft he, he could be really good one day um I like him. Uh, financially, there's not a lot of guys there uh, that work. Maybe you get in a, a Caleb Martin who's making six and a half. Um, Oladipo, I don't think they're going to give up. And again, that's another undersized guard. So we all know how that works. And then you start looking financially. Duncan Robinson, that ain't going to happen. I don't know what you would get from him. Um, but it, dude, if you're Miami, you want Josh Hart a hundred times. Yes, he's a perfect fit. Uh, for the way Spo runs his offense and the way that team likes to play uh, defense and push the pace. So, yeah, I think they do. I don't know what the trade is myself, uh, but I do think he does make a lot of sense for Miami. All respect to Joe Cronin, because no one ever said he has an easy job, but uh, trying to figure out exactly where he's where he's going to go with it is... is uh... <laughs> It's just just not not a very clear path. Something else we brought up last week, which, again, I don't know if, if it's entirely clear. And... You know, when we talked about this before, it was kind of contingent on how the team is doing through this critical stretch, like we're talking. Which which fork in the road are they going to take post-deadline as far as being buyers versus sellers? Are we building versus are we trying to maybe start to take some pieces off and, and retweak it a little bit? Are you still confident in Jeremy Grant being a Blazer next season? Yes. Good. Because, again, I, th I think some people are getting nervous about that, especially... How, how, let me let me phrase it to you this way then is there is there more risk of of that not working out for us if the team really falls apart here no i don't think, or is it not really something's impacted I, I don't think so i don't think so um he's gets he gets to play next to dame you've seen the highlights of how how this team uh can play when things are firing um uh, winning matters but at the same time like 
if you like coming to work every day and like the people you work with, I think that matters too. Uh, I also mm-hmm. think the fact that Portland can pay him more than anybody matters because paydays matter. Like there's a lot of factors uh, in Portland's favor. I think very, very rarely do you see the situation. I feel like I'd have to go through the history of it outside of like uh, Paul George where the writing's on the wall, right? Where you trade for the guy that's on the one-year deal and you don't, you don't re-sign him in some way. Um no, and he's kind of said as much that he he really likes it here, and that hasn't wavered. Um, the pi- the picture that the team's painting is that they're they're trying to win now. They could be a few trades away from that. You got to remember, he swallowed in Detroit forever, and Detroit was right. awful. And despite the fact that uh, the Blazers are awful right, right now, there's there's no doubt about it. They're not playing well. Like they're still in the picture. Like the like. So that that's got to be nice if you're Jeremy Grant. Like you're in a team that's like still in the hunt. Like yes, you're in you're in 12th place right now, but you are two games out of being back in sixth. <laughs> so yeah, like exactly. like like that that's the crazy part of the West right now is like it's it's really easy to 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 be mad at the Blazers and want better from them. That's like that's my job. My job is to be <laughs> analyze every single game, good and bad. And if it's bad, I'm going to tell you it's bad. It's good. I'm going to tell you it's good. Um, and right now I would like it to be better, but I mean, when you're only, like I said, you're three games out of being a, a, a you know, a five seed, like, yeah, you need a lot to happen to pick up those three games at once. But the thing is like, if you're Jeremy Grant, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at a team going sweet. That's a team. That's a team that's in the hunt. He came from a team in Detroit, that's currently 23 games out of first place. They're 10 games out of they're <laughs> 10 they're 10 games out of 12th. Yeah, I think he's Yikes. gonna I think oh he's just gosh. fine staying with Portland, knowing that you know he's he's on a team that is maybe not competing for a championship right this minute. But I think Dame alluded to that the other day in a post-game press conference. Like, how many teams does he truly fear? I think he said there's like two or three teams that he looks at and goes, Yeah, that's a that's a team that is gonna make noise, it's gonna be tough for us in the playoffs. Other than that, like yeah, you're not playing great basketball, but you're still right in the hunt of a playoff spot. And if you're a basketball player, I think that's where you want to be. So help me understand uh, just the just the difference of this. Someone else brought this up in Discord, and I think it's a fair point. Uh, we're talking about Jeremy Grant, who is on the end of his contract, and we feel confident being able to bring him back. We're also talking about Josh Hart, who is on the end of his contract, and we're not feeling confident that he'll that we'll be bringing him back. Help me clarify what the difference is between these two, because they're both journeymen, they've both been around the block, they both should have a feel for what they have here. Why Why does it seem so much more clear for one than the other? Because you have Jeremy Grant's bird rights. That's just about basically saying that we can pay him more than other teams would be able to. You can pay, you can go over your cap, you can pay him more than other teams. I mean, that's just, you can pay all your free agents more than other teams. That's the incentive to, to, to keep your own, but you have, you have your bird rights uh, with him. He's going to be your solidified starter. And Josh Hart, on the other hand, like the, the biggest difference to me, Keith, is even if you had uh, the full bird rights, I believe you have uh, Josh's early bird rights. Uh, but again, how many times have I said the CBA is confusing? Here's the thing. Josh Hart's making 12. He has a player option and he has very little incentive to opt into that because he's probably a 15 plus guy on the open market with the way things are playing out right now. If his agent is is gauging the waters and you think that it's it's less you know he thinks he's a 13 mil guy and there's not going to be a lot then it's probably incentive to to opt in play another year with this team what they found some comfort with and then hit free agency on a high right but right now again if you're willing if you're looking at losing 
three plus mil by opting in what's your incentive to opt in and so he hits he hits he hits free agency uh, uh unrestricted and anybody can just throw money at him and right. someone might be able to offer him more there are teams out there that i think would have the money and he would fit well with like you can't tell me that la wouldn't love josh hart right now <laughs> give me defense and a shooter uh, I, th- I saw someone throw Memphis out there as an option. Josh Hart would look real good in Memphis. Yeah, real yeah, freaking good in Memphis. Physical transition play, absolutely. Yeah, so there's t- there's some teams that fit. Uh, as with Jeremy Grant, I think Jeremy Grant, again, he, you have you have his full bird rights. You can throw the wagon at him and, and no fear. You're Unlike Josh Hart, you're going to be able to pay him more than anybody else. You have a spot for him. He's solidified as you're starting for maybe a starting three depending on what you do but he is a starter regardless in one of the best situations he's been in in a while fighting for playoff spots like it to me for jeremy grant it just seems like a shoe in for Hart, just not so much all right yeah i i can understand all that thank you appreciate it because it's it's one of those things it's, it's parsing a little bit as far as people that maybe are not looking as closely at the details so clarifies define untouchable in gm speak chris what does untouchable mean to you because we've heard that term thrown around about penny simons untouchable does not mean what you think it means. Untouchable <laughs> in GM speak right now. Untouchable. When you hear that Anthony Simons is untouchable, that means I'm not going to be calling you and offering you Ant, but if you call me with the right move and you say that's who we want, okay, I might, I might budge a little bit. I might budge. There are levels of untouchable. Like Ant is thought to be untouchable. Damian Lillard is radioactive to the point that you don't even want to get close to the idea (laughs) of trading him at this point, right? Trust me, we've gone down this road before. It triggers everyone when you mention Dame and trade in the same sense. It triggers Dame even, man, the way that he went off in the postgame. He called called a reporter disrespectful for even hinting at possibly bringing up questions adjacent to it. He doesn't even want to go there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's. I don't think they're making those those calls yet. I think the, the only way that this Blazer team ever trades Damian Lillard as if Damian Lillard asks for a trade. Right. Last one. Let's see if I can get you on a on some silver lining before we get out of here, Chris. Will Nasir Little start before the end of the season? What do you think? I think there's a high probability. <laughs> I think there's a very high probability that Josh Hart is traded by the deadline because of all the things we just said. Because of because of the because of the player option and the fact that he could stand to make more on the open market, which means it's very likely for him to test the open market. If you're Portland, it's best for you to try to trade that and get any asset back in return that you can. Even if it's a young rookie, even if it's, a, even if it's like a, a pick, if it's something that you can bring back that is a tangible asset. So that asset just doesn't walk away on its own. Like I said, Jeremy Grant, I don't think they have to trade him because I think the feeling in the front office is that they want to bring him back and that he wants to be back. They've kind of also stated as much uh, uh, on the record and off the record that he's basically their priority number one and he knows it. And I think anybody, Keith, like, you know, like if you're at work and your boss tells you that you are our number one priority heading into the budget season, you're probably going to feel confident. Like you're like, sweet. They actually yeah, want me. And feel that, feel, that. that feels good. Uh, but Josh Hart, I think they have to definitely look into trading prior to the deadline to get any sort of asset back. 
it was actually funny because I almost typed it in the Discord, um, but then someone else brought it up. Like, I think Doug McDermott is in play here. Um, mm. Chad got me on that. I've never thought I would say Doug McDermott is a, is a trade target, but he is financially the trade works and he would be a bench player who does what right now? Shoots, Shoots. around 40% from three, which is exactly what the Blazers need is bench shooting, right? So he fits Dougie that McBuckets. role. And if you trade him for jo- uh, Josh, or, uh, if you trade him for Doug McDermott, Doug McDermott gives you a bench small forward and that allows you to slide Nasir in uh, as your starter. So I definitely think there is a very, very good chance Nasir starts before the season's done. Well, there we go. That's at least a silver lining. We can end this on a positive note because I got to get rolling. My, 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 my foggy brain is just not going to last much longer. But Chris, as always, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on here, breaking all this down. Even when it's not positive stuff, we can have some fun with it. Listeners, if you want to have fun with it, if you want to come and join us, what you got to do is come and join the Discord. We got our pod. We got a handful of other great Blazer fan podcasts. We have some content creators, some, some swag makers. We got game day chats. We got trade talkers. All of this, you can even get involved in some live episodes with us. All of this by fans like us, for fans like you. Come and join the Discord. The link is in the episode description. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That is our show. Thank you again, Chris Burkhart. You are an awesome f***ing fellow, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats, and thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you one more time. Please come and join the Discord, and please come back next week for the next edition of... The Trailcasters.